You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Proverbs eleven twenty four, and we'll read three verses here, 24, 25, and 26. But let me give you some opening remarks first. Uh, we've been looking at missions the last few Wednesday nights, and uh, we've seen that the big turn myself off. The big idea of missions is God's glory, and uh, missions isn't just about souls. And I know that seems like a strange thing to say that missions isn't about souls. Um, missions is about souls, but it's not only about souls. Missions is about the glory of God, and if you think about it, if that's our end goal, then the more souls that get saved. Uh, then the more glory God gets. And that's the end goal. That's the end game. And yet we are, our, the way that we contribute to God's glory is by, is by doing our part to reach as many as we can. So we're not downplaying the importance of a soul, but we're, we're simply elevating the importance of God's glory. Uh, we also looked at how when Jesus Christ looked on the multitude and he had compassion on the multitude, how it's very important for us to be moved toward missions in that way. We should consider that souls out there are dying. Thousands and thousands of souls die every day. Hundreds of thousands of souls. Hundreds of thousands of people die every day. And we should be moved with compassion when we think about those souls dying every day. Uh, without compassion, we won't view missions like it's as, as important as it needs to be. And then last week, we talked about how prayer is the key that opens gospel doors. And it is, it is absolutely true. Paul told the Colossians there... That, that if you don't pray, I don't have doors of utterance opened. And if you think about it, then prayer is, is us allowing, allows us to be a partner in missions. We, we may not stand there at the doorway next to somebody presenting the gospel in Africa, but if we are praying, we can be their partner, the silent partner with them. And prayer is what gives the presentation of the gospel power, and also it gives opportunities. So prayer is the key that opens gospel doors. And this week then, what we're talking about, it may be a predictable subject when it comes to missions. Uh, But it is a subject that I have, as a pastor, I don't remember specifically preaching a whole message about. And that is the thought of giving. And sometimes, uh, as a pastor, you feel a little bit like you don't want to approach it too much and don't want to overwhelm people with it too much. But it's an absolutely important part of the Christian life. And without a heart for giving, we don't have a missions program. Without a heart for giving, we don't support a missionary like James and Andrew Ruckman to go back to Africa. And giving is absolutely important. And I want to see a principle tonight that I think will help us in our mindset. Look at verse 24. It says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat... And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Proverbs 11 is a chapter about cause and effect. If you make a good decision, you receive blessing. If you make a bad decision, you're cursed. You, don't, you miss out on the blessings. And the verses we're focusing on tonight are about cause and effect, or maybe sowing and reaping, but it's in the area of giving. And I believe that giving is a lost trait in our society. People are very good at spending on themselves, aren't they? 
People are very good at saving for themselves. People are very good at even hoarding for themselves. But there are very few people now that are good at giving selflessly towards something outside of themselves. And that's the principle I want to look at tonight is what you gain from giving. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. I pray that you'd help me convey it. I pray that our hearts would be open and that you would speak to us tonight in a special way as we prepare not only to give Sunday, but to give over the course of the next year to this important area of missions. Lord, help us to view giving correctly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate your standing. Uh, Just the other day, uh, Jace and I were down at the Greenway. We were near Cherry Rock Park, and I was jogging, and Jace was on his bike. And uh, Jace, you know, he's only seven years old, but but I jog a lot slower than he can ride on his bike. I'll just say it that way. He's an overachiever, I guess. But we were riding, where I, he was riding, and I was jogging along, and, and he'll kind of ride ahead a little bit, and then he'll come back to me and wait on me, and he'll go off the trail a little bit and go, you know, just do these things and, and kind of just do his thing while I'm, I'm jogging. But we, we were together at this moment, and we looked ahead and probably... 30 feet ahead of us, it had rained the night before, so there was a puddle on the sidewalk. And I saw his eyes get real big, like little boys' eyes do when they see something they're excited about. And you know what he did. He looked at me, and he looked at the puddle, and then he looked at me, and he said, Dad, I have to speed up. And I said, you go right ahead. So he got on his bike, and he started pedaling as fast as he could, and he went through that puddle, and water just went all over the place and then he was ahead of me even further so he turned around and he came right back at me and about at the time I was passing the puddle he did it again (laughs) and it just reminded me you know boys boys got to do what boys got to do you know what I mean when you see a puddle you got to go through it and I mean when they're when he's little like we just used to frustrate you so much um, because you know you're in your church clothes and yet there's a puddle in the church parking lot and what's he going to do is he going to go around it prudently no he's going to splash right through it because he likes the way the water splashes boys do what they they, they got to do and now and, and we can get on to him or maybe be frustrated by it sometimes but it's in all of us especially if you're a man it's in you too it reminded me of this time that I was at Boomer Lake there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's a, it's a 5K, a three-mile around this little lake, and it has these peninsulas that go out into the lake, and I was riding a bike, and I was going to go around a few times, and, and as I went around the first time, I looked out on one of the peninsulas, and there was a flock of seagulls. First of all, why are they in Oklahoma? That's what I was wondering. And second of all, I thought, you know, if they're there the next time I come around, I'm taking a hard left, And I'm going to go right through that flock of seagulls. Okay, am I the only one that does stuff like this? So I came back around and the whole time I'm anticipating, I know they got, they still got to be there. I hope they're still there. And sure enough, I came around the corner and I saw them there and I took a hard left and I went right down the pathway and there were hundreds of these seagulls, kind of like the birds out here. I don't know if you saw all these birds out here in the, in the yard when you pulled up. These seagulls, man, they scattered everywhere. Feathers were flying. They were squawking. And I went to the end of the peninsula and I came back and I did it again. And it was awesome. It was just one of those glorious moments, and you're kind of hoping nobody was recording it or nobody saw you, but it was fun. And you know what I was doing? I was scattering those seagulls, and Jace was scattering the water, and usually when that happens, you don't think of something productive. 
You don't think of something that had a purpose to it. When something is scattered, when you think of the word scattered, I mean, most of us might think of a scatterbrain. If, if I'm feeling scattered, then, then I don't have my thoughts in order and I'm not really thinking clearly and I might have a short attention span and I might be careless. But the reference in verse 24, it says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. So the idea here is that usually when, when birds scatter or water scatters, you're not thinking, oh, that was productive. And yet, verse 24 says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And it's a paradox because a paradox is a contradiction. And the idea here is that usually when scattering happens, it doesn't have a positive effect. It just happens. But in this case, what Solomon is saying is there is a certain kind of scattering that brings about something positive. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. It's not always positive when something's scattered about. If you spill something on the floor and, and it goes everywhere, you're not thinking that was positive. And yet there is something that when it's scattered, it increaseth. And what he's talking about is when God's people give of themselves. When God's people have the mindset that they'll use their resources to scatter And they're not holding it back, they're just scattering it. And they're willing to just scatter and let it go when they give of their time and they give of their talents and they give of their treasure. There is a certain kind of scattering that increaseth. And that is anything that that we have that can be a benefit to somebody else is a resource that when we scatter, it becomes a good thing. It's a positive thing. Our resources, when we give as if scattering, can be fruitful. And that's why tonight, just very simply, I want to look at three ways that we gain when we give. What you gain from giving, or three ways that we gain when we give. And the first is right here in verse 24, where it says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And the first gain that we give, by, that we receive when we give, is extended reach. Extended reach. Reach. In other words, and I'll explain it in a moment. There is that scattereth yet increaseth. The more given, the more is gained. And you think, well, that's a paradox. You would think that if I give away something that I don't have it anymore and I, I don't get to enjoy it anymore, if I gain or give, that I actually lose. But that's not the case. I mean, think about it in farming or agriculture. Um, there have been times uh, this summer even that we had some patches in our grass and I wanted to grow the grass in those and and yet they were patchy, so I went and got some seed from, from the store, and I, and I didn't go to that patch and put one little seed of grass in the patch, think, well, that's going to be good enough. No, guess what I did? I scattered it. I spread it. And you say, well, but then your, your bag of grass seed is empty. Well, that may be true, but if it takes root and grows, I've got grass on the ground. There is sometimes when you scatter that it results in increase. It's fruitful. The same is true in finances. Is that if you, the more you give, the more you're going to get in return. If you're investing. I think about the the nation of Israel. Actually, I think about the first church in the book of Acts. You know, after Stephen was martyred in Acts 7 in the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 1. It says there was great persecution. And then after the persecution... It says that the church there in Jerusalem, which had grown to 50,000 plus, they say, 
50,000 people, if that's true, 50,000 people at that first church in Jerusalem, when persecution came, it says that they were dispersed. It's the diaspiro, the dispersion of that first church. And they were scattered, it says, in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. They were scattered around. And you think, well, what, what did that do to help the church? That seems like a bad thing. No, the gospel seeds that were taking so much root in Jerusalem were finally spread out to the other towns and cities in the area. And that's when we see the gospel and the church really start to grow and take root and, and spread. They were scattering, and yet it was increasing. It's extended reach. You say, well, I want extended reach, so, so if, what do, how do I give? How do I scatter? Well, when we give, God increases our influence, and we can scatter in certain ways. I'm thinking about our time. And that's kind of scary when you think about how little time you think you have sometimes, isn't it? It doesn't feel like I've got much time, but I'm convinced that our greatest and likely most underutilized resource is our time. See, the truth is, uh, it's the one resource every person is given in equal measure. And you say, I just don't have very much time. You know, I don't have, I don't have the time to do that or this. Or, but think about it. You, we all have the same amount of time. And the people that are producing the most, they have the same number of hours in every day that you do. And I know there are things that may work against you. I completely understand that. Your schedule may be tight, but we all have the same number of hours in a day. We choose how most wisely to use them. And it matters how we choose that. Think about this. Think about the people in your life that have made the biggest difference in your life. It's usually those that have given you time. Those that will just simply stop and talk to you. Those that will write you a note just to be a blessing. Those that will sit and just listen to you talk. You have people in your life like that, and I do too, but it's the people that give us time that make the biggest difference. And you may think that you don't have much time, but it may just need to be some restructuring because time is a resource all of us have. How else can we scatter? Well, we can scatter our time and we can scatter also our talents. And you say, well, I'm really lacking in this area. I don't really have a lot to offer. No, listen, some people think only talented people have something to offer. But I'm thankful for people that may have less talent but are willing to use it for God. You see, some of the most talented people that I've ever met, and you might could say the same thing, some of the most talented people that I've ever met are, are, tend to be the least driven. They tend to be the least motivated. Their mentality is, I have all this talent, and I'll give some of it to God. And yet I've known people with very little talent but their mentality was, I don't have much, but I'll give it all to God. So on one side, you've got somebody that doesn't have, that has a lot of talent and they'll give God a little bit. But over here, you've got somebody that doesn't have much talent and they give God all of it. And guess who gets used the most? The person right over here. And you know people like that. And maybe you are a person like that. I'm thankful that there are some with a mentality that I'll give God everything, even if it's not much. And God, like the widow who gave the might, he was, she was blessed because she gave all. We should be willing as well. You may not have many talents or think you do, but the ones that you do have, you should scatter. You shouldn't sit on them. And you say, well, I have this, this certain talent that, or, or skill or ability or, or a mindset that I think could really be used at Eastside Baptist Church. And I say to that, praise the Lord, let's, let's use it. Use it for God. 
Don't sit on it. Scatter it. There is some that there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. I think so you've got your time and you've got your talent and you've got your treasure. It's another way that you can scatter. And you say, you obviously have not seen my treasure box. It's pretty empty. I get that. Talking about money. I'm not saying scatter your money by letting it blow away in the South Dakota wind. If you had held it out today, it'd be gone. Windy day. But we ought to be willing to invest our money in God's kingdom first. You'd be surprised, and I would too, I am at times when I put God first, no matter what, how he adds all the other things. Wait, that sounds pretty scriptural, doesn't it? Matthew 6. See, listen, in missions, God's work is a collective effort. Most of us will never cross an ocean to preach the gospel. Most of us in this room will not ever do that. But our giving plays a large role in others. Real people taking the gospel to other places across the state, across the region, across the country, even across an ocean. See, giving, giving allows us to have influence around the world without leaving Sioux Falls. And there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And sometimes people hold so tightly to their money and they think, well, if I let it go, I won't have it. But they're missing out on opportunities for increase. There is that scattereth yet increaseth. It reminds, we know we gain by giving. You may not ever cross an ocean, but you can gain by giving. You can receive a blessing and a benefit and fruit to your account by giving and letting somebody else represent you. It reminds me of Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where, I mean, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And yes, we can hold on to our money and we can use it for ourselves and we can say, well, I need this and I can't really get rid of it. Or we could say, no, I'm going to use it for heaven's gain. And by, by sending it forward to heaven and, and gain in heaven is gain for you. Don't have, Jesus Christ wasn't saying there don't have possessions. He wasn't saying don't have savings. He was not saying don't enjoy things. He was saying don't hoard. Invest in eternal things. And it reminds me then of G. Campbell Morgan. I read, I read an illustration from him and it said it this way. He said to lay up means to stand something up vertically and have it ready for use. I remember years ago uh, we, uh, in Stillwater there at, at Bible Baptist Church, we used to host a men's meeting and there would be, we'd have um, 1,800 men some years come to this meeting. And, and we would feed them, and our goal was to feed them in less than 20 minutes. And we always accomplished it. It was like a well-oiled machine. Un- unbelievable. So we would have these feeding lines, and everybody has a job, and they're putting food on the trays. We've got food runners, and we've got food prep, and they're all doing it. It's a well-oiled machine. But I remember one, we always had a, uh, what we call a, a improvement meeting at the end of Men's Advance. The Sunday night after Men's Advance was done, is, and we would all sit down and for an hour or so just talk about all the things that could have been done better. And we all wanted to just go home and take a nap. That's what we wanted to do. Well, I remember one of our men that year, he said, uh, what we, we were serving brisket, and, and the brisket was laying in, on top of itself inside the pans. And he said, you know, if we would just turn the brisket uh, right side up on its side, 
you can, you can always, with your tongs, you can reach in and grab two pieces real easy rather than trying to get underneath and figure out how many you're grabbing. He said, if you line it up vertically, it's a lot more useful and a lot easier. We did, and it increased our efficiency. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, G. Campbell Morgan talks about laying up your treasures. And what he says is it's like to stand something up vertically and have it ready for use. And he gives an illustration of books on a shelf. So I grab some books on my shelf and you know, if I've got books on my desk and I'm studying, which this is the way my desk looks sometimes when I'm getting ready for messages, I've got these books here. And if I really want this to be useful, um, you know, so I have to go through the books like this sometimes and get to the one that I'm going to use and then stack them back up and use it. But what G. Campbell Morgan is saying, but if you stack your books like this, then all it takes to use it is to grab it and pick it up. And they're not supposed to fall over, by the way. But then it's useful. And that's the idea that he gives. He says that our talents or that our treasures, lay not up for yourself treasures. He said we should use our treasure or any of our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure, we should make it as useful as possible, set it vertically so that it's ready to be used. And yet I think a lot of us, sometimes we put our talents and treasure and time, we set it like this, and it's not very usable. It's not like God, God gives some, one person so much more, and they, that's why they make the bigger difference. It may be that they have just arranged their talents and their treasures and the time, they've set it up like this, so it's easy to just use. Whereas some of us, then maybe we hide our talent or time or treasure under something else that's less important. It's just not as usable. And what Jesus forbids, he says, is stacking up horizontally to, to hoard your possessions and to merely have and not use them. That's G. Campbell Morgan's illustration. And the idea is we lay it in a position to use. We don't lay it in a position just to have. Yet that's a lot of people's mentality. Jesus forbids greedily hoarding for yourself. And this is a large part of my philosophy, even here at Eastside. You know, with the finances at Eastside, I, you know, I, we want to be careful. We want to be wise. And we do try to be as much as we can. Um, but having a million dollars in the bank, it doesn't help you much if Jesus Christ comes back at the rapture. You know, so what, what we ought to do when we think about finances here is have the finances ready to use, ready to be a blessing. It doesn't do us any good to save and, and, and have. Now, we should save and we should be wise, but it does us no good if all we ever do is save and we never use. In many ways, it reminds me of, of the stewards in Matthew 25 and the ones that hid the talent and hoarded it and didn't use it. That was the one God judged the most. Most people tend to hoard because we're naturally selfish and we're, we're not naturally generous and we want to use what we have for our advantage because we think that clinging tightly to something ensures that we keep it. But God says, look at what he says in verse 24, Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Holdeth, withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. If we tightly cling to resources for self-use, when God intends them to be used for something different, it says we lose them. It tends to poverty. Now, savings, again, saving is, savings is not bad. It's wise. But God is dealing with a hoarder mentality. Somebody who has all, all these things and resources and time and talent and treasure, but rather than using it to be a blessing, they sit on it like that steward that was afraid of the master. What we don't use for God, he's justified to take away. 
And that mentality tendeth to poverty. If we refuse to be givers, we end up with less than what we started with. So a giver will gain more than he can give away, but a hoarder keeps nothing. Giving makes us spiritually rich. Hoarding makes us spiritually poor. That's what the verse is saying. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians 9, when Paul said, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I, I plan to do more with that concept on Sunday night, but we reap in proportion to how we sow. If I put one seed of grass on that patch that needs it, I shouldn't expect much in return. If we want to reap bountifully, we've got to give bountifully. So the first, the first gain that we have in giving is that is extended reach. There is it scattereth and yet it increaseth. It allows us to do more and experience more fruit than we would have otherwise. The second is that we gain is renewed resources. So extended reach, renewed resources. Look at verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat. So wouldn't you love to have a magic bank account that never ran out of money? Anybody in here? Like, you can just be transparent for a minute. Would that... Okay, me and Benjamin down here. Okay, so a couple of us are honest, okay? I'd love to have a magic bank account that never ran out of money. Well, you know, that's the kind of the, kind of the spiritual promise here. When we give, God renews our resources. He says the liberal soul, and that liberal soul, that Hebrew word liberal is, it means blessing. It's one who's characterized by being a source of blessing. And we all know people who are known to be a blessing to somebody else. They're always looking to be a blessing. You know somebody like that? That it just seems like every time you meet them, they're looking for ways to be a blessing to you. And I'm grateful for that. A liberal person's always giving. It doesn't seem like uh, that's the kind of person who would have the most, though. Because if they're always giving it away, you'd be like, well, they don't have anything left. But it says, but the liberal soul shall be made fat. And that word implies prosperity. It implies, now, God rewards givers with prosperity, and that can certainly mean finances if he chooses, but prosperity is so much more than riches, isn't it? When you think of prosperity, uh, you don't just think of money, do you? I, I don't just think of money when I think of prosperity. I, I think about spiritual prosperity. I think about inner prosperity. I think about joy and happiness and the fruit of the Spirit. That's prosperity. And honestly, if I, if I never had a dime in my bank account, but I had the fruit of the Spirit in my life, that's all I should want. Nothing would be more satisfying than that. It says, he that watereth, he says again, verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. I mean, never-ending supply of water. Sounds a little bit like John 4 with the woman at the well. If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Well, God sees to it that when we give, it's like being blessed with a well that never runs dry. We're blessed when we give. And being a giver means God's unlimited spiritual resources will be at your disposal. He loves to give. He loves to renew our resources. And I, if they, I don't know if this is this way for you, but the older I get, the more I enjoy giving than receiving. I mean, Christmas morning, I used to think Christmas morning was great as a kid. Hey, I mean, I would wake up early and my parents would drive them crazy because they'd stay up half the night putting my toys together for me and I'd be up early. Well, you know, uh, Christmas is a lot more enjoyable as a dad than it ever was as a son. 
to give to, to, pe- to the people that I love. And you know, that's what God is talking, that's really what's talking about here is that God re- loves to renew our resources when we're givers. When we give, he com- continually, continually restores that to us. See, the bottom line is the more we give, the more we get. And I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel tonight. I'm just saying spiritual prosperity get- is given to, the- to givers. That's-, that's the return we get. And I don't know how he does it, but he makes sure that we're rewarded. And I think about missions coming up, committing. uh, Sometimes in our lives, uh, we've committed more than we were comfortable with. And Aaron and I, we would, at times, the way we do it is is she'll pray and then I'll pray. And and we come together and then negotiations began. She brings a number, I bring a number. We don't always do it that way. There are times, though, where the Lord led both of us to give the same amount. And we said, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't really see the end of that. I mean, I don't see how, I mean, I don't see how we can afford that. I mean, I'm looking at the budget and the numbers already don't add up. And then you're going to add this into the budget. I'm just not sure. You know, every time that we've taken a step of faith like that, God has blessed us in ways we never would have dreamed. And I'm not saying that, that by the end of the year we had a yacht. Well, I wouldn't mind a yacht. I don't have a place really to use it. But, you know, at least park it in my driveway and, you know, let the Joneses be all jealous. So, I, we, I'm not saying we had a yacht by the end of the year. But, you know, we always had everything we needed. God supplied all of our needs and he's done that many, many, many times. Every time that we've committed more than we were comfortable with. Because God rewards givers with renewed resources. He just makes sure. And the world says, hold on to your money. Hold on to your things. The more you have, the happier you'll be. But God says, give and give. And when you're done, give some more. Be a blessing. Give it away. The more you give, the happier you'll be. And you might say, well, if I always give, I'll exhaust my resources. But that's not what these verses say. That's not what Matthew 6 says, if you want to go read that. And I don't like to just read long passages very much, but... But I want to read this to you, a little story I found about a small fountain. If you just pay attention and try to keep your mind listening here, there's some good language here, good, good, uh, good descriptive language. R.F. Horton. See that little fountain yonder? Away yonder in that distant mountain, shining like a thread of silver through the thick wood and sparkling like a diamond in its healthful activity. So picture it in your mind. You see a little stream coming down the mountain. It's hurrying on with tinkling feet to bear its tribute to the river. See, it passes a stagnant pool and the pool hails it. Wither away, Master Streamlet, or where are you going, Stream? I'm going to the river to bear this cup of water God has given me. The pool, ah, you are very foolish for that. You'll need it before the summer is over. It's been a backward spring and we shall have a hot summer to pay for it. You will dry up then. Well, says the streamlet, if I'm to die so soon, I'd better work while the day lasts. If I'm to die so soon, uh, if I'm likely to lose this treasure from the heat, I'd better do good with it while I have it. So on it went, blessing and rejoicing in its course. The pool smiled complacently at its own superior foresight and husbanded all its resources, letting not a drop steal away. 
Soon the midsummer heat came down and it fell upon the little stream. But the trees crowded to its brink and threw out their sheltering branches over it in the day of adversity, for it brought refreshment and life to them. And the sun peeped through the branches and smiled complacently, complacently upon its dimpled face and seemed to say, it is not in my heart to harm you. And the birds sipped its silver tide and sang its praises. The flowers breathed their perfume upon its bosom. The beasts of the field loved to linger by its banks. The husbandman's eye sparkled with joy as he looked upon the line of verdant beauty that marked its course through his fields and meadows. And so on it went, blessing and blessed of all. God saw that the little stream never exhausted itself. It emptied its full cup into the river, and the river bore it to the, on to the sea, and the sea welcomed it. And the sun smiled upon the sea, and the sea sent up its incense to greet the sun. And the clouds caught in their capacious bosoms the incense from the sea. And the winds, like waiting steeds, caught the chariots of the clouds and bore them away, away to the very mountain that gave the little fountain birth. And there they tipped the brimming cup, and poured the grateful baptism down, and so God saw to it that the little fountain, though it gave so fully and so freely, never ran dry. And where was the prudent pool? Alas, in its inglorious inactivity, it grew sickly and pestilential. The beasts of the field put their lips to it, but turned away without drinking. The breeze stooped and kissed it by mistake, but caught the malaria in the contact and carried the fever through the region. That's quite a story, but it, I think it, it resonates. See, if all we ever do is receive without giving, what's been invested in us dies with us. We're more funnels than we are bases. We're, we are pitchers more than we are containers. And what is poured in us, we ought to be willing to pour out. God rewards a giver with more. And it may not be measurable, but if the rewards are spiritual in nature, it's worth it. Jesus said in Luke 6, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So we gain by giving. We gain extended reach and we gain renewed resources. And third, we gain God's favor. Look at verse 26. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that withholdeth corn, that's just talking about, it's really talking about price gouging. Okay? And if you're, a price, you know, if you're a price gouger, nobody likes you. Nobody respects that. And that's the idea is that there's a curse to those that either price gouge or withhold. But he said there's a blessing, though, upon the head of him that selleth the corn. So the options are a curse or a blessing. And the blessing there is actually the same word in verse 25, the liberal soul. So again, the idea of sowing and reaping comes here. And I think if be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We are blessed in the same way that we strive to be a blessing to others. And sometimes, you know, you might wonder, well, you know, I, why does anybody ever bless me like that? 
Why doesn't everybody ever extend something like that to me or take care of me like that or just give something like that to me? You know, where's mine? Well, when's the last time you blessed somebody else like that? And maybe we ought to stop looking at what others don't or do or do for us. And maybe we should think, well, what have I done for somebody else? Just out of the blue to be a blessing. You know, one of the word definitions, again, look at verse 26, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. You know, one of the definitions of the word blessing, you know what it is? Praise of God. Praise of God. You know what it's talking about? When you say blessing, you're talking about somebody has God's favor. The praise of God. You cannot put a price tag on God's favor. And it reminds me of the lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. See, here's the thing. We think that when we give, nobody sees it. And we think, when I, well, I'm just going to give and nobody's ever going to know. And I, but I'm just going to just do it because it's what I think I ought to. But when you do that, when you lay up for yourselves, it says treasures in heaven. You know what that means? That means heaven notices. I mean, they're, they're, heaven never misses it. God doesn't miss it when we give to be a blessing and we give sacrificially and we give because we want to be a giver. God gives favor to givers. He never goes unnoticed. And if for no other reason, I want to give because I can't afford not to have God's favor in my life. I wouldn't want to live a day without God's favor. I wouldn't want to live a day without God's blessing. If for no other reason... I want to be a giver because, yes, I get extended reach and it's there's that scattereth yet increaseth. And yes, I get renewed resources that I have the water. Uh, if I water that, I'll be watered. But above all of it, I want God's favor. And if by giving, even if it doesn't make sense sometimes, and even if I can't make it work in my budget, and even if it, I just really can't see how God's going to work it all out, if I will but give, if it means I have his favor, then I want to be a giver. No, this is a win. I'll, I'll give if it means those are my gains. If I could have extended reach and renewed resources in God's favor, man, sign me up. So what does it look like? Well, let me give you just some practical thoughts as we wrap up. First, give out of love, not of duty. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, he's talking about giving, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So listen, you should give. You should give because there's good things in coming to givers. But you shouldn't give out of duty. You should give out of love. Paul says, I could give and give and give. But if I do it without love, I, I, it profiteth me nothing. Two, so give out of love, not duty. Two, give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. If you're going to give, yeah, I know some people have been, they've really given. They've really sacrificed at times. And you know what? Everybody knew about it. Because in giving, they wanted people to know how much they gave or how much of a victim they were or how much they went without because of it. But Jesus Christ dealt with that in Matthew 6 as well. And he says the Pharisees give like that and they have their reward. So if we're going to give, don't do it for some notoriety. Don't do it and give at like you're suffering. Give cheerfully. Don't give out of duty and give cheerfully. Third, give because of what you've been given. You say, I just don't know why should I give. Well, because for God so loved the world that he gave 
If you want a reason to give, look at the fact that there's a cross and God's own son died on it for you and me. So give out of love, not duty. Give cheerfully. Give because of what's been given or what you've been given. And then fourth, give to God first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You want to make sure that you have God's favor? Make sure you put him first. And he'll add all the other things to you. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. Give God first place. Let him have it first, and he'll make sure the other things come back to you. So, as we close, would others describe you as a giver? Or do you tend to hoard? How liberal are you with your time and talents and treasure? How much are you willing to scatter them? It's time to be less hoarder and more scatterer. Don't hold back. Give as God leads. Give and give. When you're done, give again. Giving isn't losing. Giving means that your influence is extended and your resources are renewed and you have God's favor. And my prayer is, as we approach a season in which giving is emphasized, that, that we refuse to resent it and instead embrace the good gains that come from giving because there are gains in giving. So we're going to close here in a moment in a time of prayer. And if God has convicted you about your mindset toward giving, I want to encourage you to respond. But at the same time, um, as we pray, I'd I'd encourage you to pray for our missions revival coming up too. Um, Because prayer is giving. When you give of your time, prayer is giving. And I'd like you to, the, I want to pray for some prayer requests that we've been praying for. Maybe just to combine the two things tonight. If God's spoken to you about giving, then let him deal with that. But also to pray for the missions revival requests. And so we've got some requests up here this week. This, these are additions to what we looked at last week. And the request is that pray that every member of Eastside will give what the Lord would have them give to the missions offering this Sunday. That's, that's a new one. Two, pray that the missions revival would see the dedication of at least one member of Eastside to lifetime missionary service. And the reason I started with those is because they both have to do with giving. The first is about this week. It's an offering. The second about is, is about your life. Giving your life. And what greater gift could we give to the God who's given us everything than to give him our lives? And I pray that somebody, one person this week would give their life to God at full-time missionary service. So those are the first two. Then the other two we prayed for last week. Pray that each member of Eastside would commit to attending every service during the revival, including Saturday. And then pray that every member would commit to giving weekly to missions. So those requests, along with the names of our missionaries, I want to do a double prayer time tonight in that we pray for the missions revival, pray for these things but that we also would pray that God would help us to be givers because without us, our willingness to be givers, a lot of what we hope to accomplish in our missions doesn't go, it gets left undone. So giving, missions revival, it goes hand in hand. If we want to be all that we're supposed to be in the area of missions, we've got to be givers. So I want to encourage every person to engage in prayer tonight. And uh, I want to just pray for these things and, and let's everybody go to a time of prayer and kind of do a double duty here about giving, about missions. And, as, and take the time you need. And then as we get done with prayer, I'll close it here in a moment. 
But take the time. Let's take the time you need. And I would encourage you to bow on your knees right where you're at or right up here up front. And let's let God know by our posture that we're serious about seeking him for missions. And, uh, and I think that he'll be honored by that. So I'd encourage you to bow and let's pray and spend some time in prayer tonight. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.